Okay, now we're back with another episode of Food in the Hood. That's right. Yep. And we're today back. we're touching on something that probably is affecting a good proportion of us around the world. I mean, it always kind of is, but it's a little bit more extreme now. Yeah, I think it's at least,、um, I don't know, 70, 80% of our listenership. Yeah, absolutely.、Uh-huh. Today we are diving into inflation and especially inflation、uh. in food. <laughs> yes, yes. This yes. is such a big index to look at food prices as a marker or indicator for inflation. It is.、Right? I mean, I、uh-huh. feel like that's something that everyone buys, right? Because we all have to、yeah. eat. Uh-huh. Compared to something like gas, where some people who don't have a car might not feel like the impact is directly. I feel like、mm-hmm. food is something you will feel it whether you cook for yourself or if you go to a restaurant and order food. Like all of that is going to trickle down to you. Yeah, pretty much. I think、um, it's also the most relevant、uh, items, well, a, 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 a collection of items that we normally buy on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right, so you, if that's going up, you really can feel it. Oh yeah, yeah.、Uh-huh. I feel like everyone has like one thing that they always know the price of. Like,、uh-huh. oh, I always pay two ninety nine for like a gallon of milk or、yeah. something like that.、Uh-huh. Do you have like a thing that you track? Uh, not really. Like, not if it's one thing, but I yeah typically have an overall budget per grocery run. Mm-hmm. And that money has been going up, right? Right. Because I normally shop for like maybe two to three days,、mm-hmm. um, and and that、um, that amount of money has been pretty stable since I came to the Netherlands. But、um, you know, starting in、uh, early twenty twenty two, there's a tip, and now、yeah. I think I'm used to the new price now, pretty much. Right. Right. Right.、Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, yeah. I guess like. After a while, you grow accustomed to it. Yeah,、uh, yeah, yeah. But I do have a good index to share, though.、Uh, oh yeah. It's not from me. It's from a friend of mine who has been in the Netherlands for for、uh, many years, at, at、mm-hmm. least、uh, seven or eight years.、Uh, he's originally from China, and、um, he really likes、uh, Napa cabbage. And、um, actually,、it. in the Netherlands,、uh, you can、yeah. get Napa cabbage from a, a regular store. And it's just called in the literal translation. It's just the Chinese cabbage.、Mm-hmm. Um, so,、uh, so if, if it's available in the normal uh, supermarkets, uh, it's、um, you know it's pretty common, and the price is normally pretty stable of、yeah. a product, right?、Um, but、um, this guy he has been tracking、uh, kind <laughs> of the the price of a Napa cabbage、yeah. in the Netherlands. Oh, <laughs> and, and, Napa、um, cabbage index. Yeah, 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 and it's been going up、uh, because I think when he first came here、um, to study, it was、mm-hmm. uh, I think it was eighty cents or something for for、okay. a whole head. For a whole of, head, that's not yeah, bad. Yeah. That's no, not no, bad. no. It's it's、uh, it's pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, per se, right? And now.、Um, I think it has been doubled.、Uh, so now it's at least one fifty ish. Yeah, but if they're running some deals, it might be. It's still over a, a euro for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. That's insane. I feel、yeah. like we easily pay double of that in 
the U.S. for a head of Napa cabbage. Well, so, but it's a Napa cabbage in the U.S., so it's it's not as easy to find. That's true. I guess it's right. more prevalent in in yeah. wherever you guys are in the Netherlands. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. surprised to see it um, just in the regular store at first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people that I talk to have also like had the same sentiments. Um, so I came yeah. to the U.S. in 2013, right, for college and. You know, talking to my friends who, you know, come here around the same time that I did, mm-hmm. um, we all noticed that our grocery bills have kind of doubled from when we oh. were first students till yeah. where we are now, which uh-huh. is startling. Like that's interesting. I I have no impression of the U.S. Uh, food bills anymore. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, me too. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, just just like I don't. I guess back in 20 uh 2020 or 2019 where i was still shopping regularly because 2020 yeah. nobody re- was really shopping right. regularly <laughs> uh, yeah it was it wasn't too crazy per se or i, I didn't feel like much of a bad i felt uh, like it definitely like grew between 2013 and 2020 but i think uh-huh. after like when COVID hit that was when i feel like right after that was when I felt like prices were going up. And I, yeah. I feel it especially more this year for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just like a lot of the supply chain disruptions and things like that. True. Um, the increased costs have passed on to consumers. It took a while, but it happened. Mm-hmm. And I also think that um, part of it too is, you know, our supply chain constraints were really bad, right? At the beginning of COVID when shipping containers and truckers were in mm-hmm. shortages. But it it has actually improved quite a bit since then. But I think it's pretty typical for a lot of companies to raise prices because of increased yeah. costs, and then if costs does come down, like True. we're not, they're not decreasing yeah. the price. Yeah, of exactly. The yeah, like, there's whatever. no coming back. <laughs> yeah, like once you're up, you're up. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and especially in Europe, uh, it's uh, mostly due to the uh, Ukrainian war. So yeah. the price of uh, uh, energy was. Uh, uh, skyrocketing since uh, you, you know since since the world broke basically, mm-hmm. um, so that has a big very big impact on uh, food price and on everything in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just seeing also it's another uh, kind of an indicator was the stickers on the menu. Uh, that's yeah. something. <laughs> it's, Sticker uh, shock pricing. I feel yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because our menu uh, might has the. Uh, original price but then yeah. uh gradually right there, there's stickers over uh the old price with yeah a, like like we're we, we we're not like rich enough to print a new menu so we're gonna put yeah. a tiny sticker it's <laughs> exactly. gonna be 7.99 instead of 5.99 <laughs> yeah something like that uh-huh yeah uh, but if yeah. we kind of go into the food supply chain right and and yeah. we're talking about the different type of food uh first of all maybe let's talk about things in the grocery stores um, now, which foods has been hit the hardest uh, mm-hmm. with the inflation or yeah. what are the other foods that kind of are still relatively stable? Right. Uh, and I think yeah. like part of it is like driven by supply stuff. But when it comes to food, a lot of it, like you said, it's driven by like crop performance, yield, mm-hmm. weather diseases, like even without inflation, some of these food, like even without inflation across the board, some of these foods in particular might have become inflated because of particular like you know pests or diseases that is specific to that crop mm-hmm. 
So yeah. what we're seeing, like just, you know, just something good for us to keep in mind, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know that um, citrus fruits have been really, really, really hit by inflation. Mm -hmm. Compared to last year, we're looking at about a 20% increase in prices. Okay. Um, the reason being that since a couple of years ago, and the industry hasn't figured out a good way to solve this yet, but there's something called citrus greening. That's oh, yeah. Really yeah, yeah, prevalent yeah. Over the it's like orange a juice industry. It, yeah, it's basically a pandemic that's going on for orange trees. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. There is um, a particular pest that carries a, I think, like a bacteria or something mm -hmm. that can infect your oranges, uh, your orange trees, and it kills them slowly. Yeah. Um, so, uh -huh. you know, right. part of the reason that your orange juices have been going up in pricing is because of that, right? Part mm. of it is also because, like, if you think about orange juice, it is a perishable food item. It's mm -hmm. not shelf stable. So, you know, to store it, transport it, handle it, um, it, it is increased energy costs, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah. energy is on. So, there's like a lot of different factors that go into it. But, you know, mm -hmm. one thing that kind of jumped up to jumped out to me was mm -hmm. the citrus fruits. Yeah. 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 And I think also a lot of the uh, what we call indulgent foods mm -hmm. are also kind of. Uh, uh, a good indicator of, of inflation, yeah. right? So yeah. things like ice cream, cookies, uh, certain brands of uh, soda are all uh, kind of the ways that you see um, can be, uh, the, the price fluctuates much more than uh, things like flour, oil, uh, these mm -hmm. are more stable foods. Yeah. Speaking of flour, though, because I think how, um, you know, with the Ukraine-Russia war, uh, because of that war, they are exporting a lot less wheat and grain products mm -hmm. because I believe they are like someone has called them the breadbasket of the European region. Uh, yes, uh, they, they are a lot yeah. of wheat, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, someone was telling me when the pandemic, I mean, not when the pandemic, when the Ukraine Russia war started, there are people who are like stocking up on not to the extent of like toilet paper when we. COVID first hit US, but we're sucking yeah. up a like mac and cheese. I had right, friends right. who were like buying pasta from Costco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm. you know, because yeah. combined Ukraine and Russia are responsible for about 30% of global wheat and grain exports. So mm -hmm. it is like a big portion. Right. And the other, so wheat is certainly and uh, a big, just flour in general was, yeah. a, was a pretty big, um, um, uh, item in shortage mm -hmm. let's say um yeah and i did see that um at the beginning of the war mm -hmm. um and and perhaps another more um representative um a uh, food item is a uh, food product is uh, sunflower oil uh, uh, because sunflower yeah. oil is quite common and most of the uh, vegetable oil cooking oil in europe um, at least in the netherlands mm -hmm. is, is dominated by uh, sunflower oil so oh, there really? are much less soybean uh, production yeah. first of all there's very less uh so soybean production in europe mm -hmm. so um compared to us so so soybean oil it's uh much less uh, produced mm -hmm. and um so so sunflower uh, as a mean oil crop has been um, uh, produced a lot and a lot of the more grow uh, uh war grower has been growing in um uh, ukraine mm -hmm. so um when the war broke um, at two levels, both at the consumer and the, at the food business level, 
there were some reactions to it. So right. in, in grocery stores, um, you know, there were temporary shortages. Um, it wasn't that um, there, there were basically uh, uh, just that people were buying more to stock up. Yeah. Um, and, and the uh, local grocery stores just didn't have enough in stock. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, it did create a little bit of a, uh, a crisis. Right. Because yeah. so, you see empty shelves, yeah, uh, yeah. which are which are less common for a nation like the Netherlands. Right. Right. Normally, um, you know, food supplies is not a problem. Right. Here. It's usually pretty stable. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So and um, but they did recover. But the price did uh, go up. Right, mm. so so this is one of the um, the 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 um, uh, observations of uh, yeah. food inflations, yeah. and at the same time, a, a lot of the food companies uh, were switching oils. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something interesting. Is they want to have a stable uh, in order to combat the food inflation in terms of sunflower oil, they have to swap yeah. to a different type of oil. Uh, let's say to fry some chips uh, right. or or, or right. making other food products. Right. Um, and that resulted also in the change of labels on the oh, uh, yeah, so it's so, kind of a you know chain effect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a chain effect. First, the uh, product developers has to experiment, uh, experiment uh, yeah. the new source of oil, yeah. or or they may already have some backup plans that they can implement in right. terms of producing the same product with a different type of oil. And, you know, that's a really good point, because I think a lot of people, when they think of what food product developers do, they think that, Mm -hmm. oh, we all just like make new food products, but a substantial portion of food developers, like there are specific departments for these at CPG companies Mm -hmm. where they deal with like, we have launched a product. This ingredient is now no longer available due to supply chain issues. How do we make the, you know, how do we fix this? And have the same product that consumers won't notice, but have a different ingredient in it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, e- exactly. And normally, for uh, the larger um, companies, they would have multiple, essentially multiple versions of the recipe that potentially can produce the right. same um, yeah. product in the end. That's what we're seeing too. I think a uh, lot of like CPG companies who are smart about it, even yeah. before something like this happens sometimes they will like let's say you know prices of sweeteners let's say for instance can fluctuate uh-huh. depending on you know tick trade tariffs and stuff like that right. so there are companies who you know have kind of a plan b in action so it's swappable mm-hmm. um, yeah. if the price of a particular ingredient goes far too up mm-hmm. um, then they can just easily switch it out for whatever's cheaper and then when the trends reverse and then they can switch ah, it out again okay. Yeah. So there are companies who kind of are prepared to do with that. And obviously it's easier with some ingredients compared to other ingredients, but mm-hmm. you know, part of the con- contingency planning, especially if you're a major brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, includes that kind of work. That's so interesting. This is like what they call is that the floating duck f- phenomena or something? That. Well, it, it it's just like a, a duck on the water seems so um um, so relaxed and uh, yeah so so yeah. peaceful yeah uh, but, <laughs> but under the water right it's swimming the like swaddling hell. legs yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly i mean that so, i think that really sums up the food industry in general because consumers uh, just see like oh wow look my bag of chips and they don't see like yeah, everything yeah, that yeah. happened underneath <laughs> yeah exactly and, and to deal with all these um 
uh, ingredient shortages or, or yeah. uh, price inflations. Oh uh, it's goodness. such a dynamic system. Yeah. It's like, honestly, the logistics and supply chain of these things is insane because mm -hmm. compared to some other food industries, we're dealing with ingredients. I mean, compared to some other industries, we're yeah. dealing with like input factors and ingredients that have a shelf life on them. Yeah, so, that's like, true. The that's true. Yeah, intricacy yeah, yeah. and like planning that and ensuring everything gets to the manufacturing facility at the right time mm -hmm. is really, really not easy. Like, yeah. you know, when I was working at PepsiCo, I got to, you know, work with some of these supply chain folks and it is insane mm -hmm. what they do. Like a lot yeah. of respect to them. Like you think it's hard to coordinate like a children's birthday party. Wait till you coordinate <laughs> like the supply chain for oh a major God. brand. <laughs> yeah. You need a team full of people to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing about um, price inflation, it's that... Um, People tends to, well, at least for, for, from my observations and some local news um, that I read about, it's that people tends to buy more uh, in-house brands mm -hmm. or private labels from the yeah. supermarkets uh, instead of buying the, uh, let's say, the normal branded um, Absolutely. Uh, products. Right? Yep. And so example of those, um, if uh, in the U.S., I think, uh, like great value from Walmart. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a good example. Is um, because they're able to uh, control a lot of the well to reduce a lot of the prices in terms of ingredients and in, in terms of um, uh, uh, just shelf spaces or uh, in general, uh, they yeah. could be sold at a cheaper price. And uh, for all the, uh, I think most of these supermarket brands in the Netherlands have their own uh, private labels. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, so they're essentially doing the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. They have all the versions of the common chip flavors. Uh, they have uh, kind of their own brand of cola even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the so, thing, though, too, is that these private label brands that are thriving, I mm -hmm. mean, a lot of people might initially think that, like, oh, is the quality more inferior if I'm going from, like, a brand name mm -hmm. product to like something that's just made by a private label retailer, right? Like yeah. Target or Walmart, because, you know, oh, they might not know as much about these things. But I mean, the thing is, a lot of these ingredients that are produced for them are made at co-manufacturing facilities that Anyways, also make the same right? product yeah. for your brand name items. Exactly. You just kind of yes. put a different label on it. Yes. And yes. because you don't have to associate costs of like marketing that specific brand, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you cut out a lot of that and that savings kind of get passed on to the consumer because it is typically a little bit cheaper sometimes mm -hmm. to buy from, yeah. you know, let, let's say Target's Good & Gather private label mm -hmm. brand or Walmart's Great Value. Um, yeah. And I think like this trend is what we've been seeing quite a lot for the past few years, because although Target used to have its own private label brand, it wasn't until like 2019 when I was in grad school that I noticed that they kind of did like a whole recall okay. uh, of the brand marketing and then came out with Good and Gather. As, like, so Good and Gather is not the old, I think they used to have something else. Yes, they used to have something else. Um, I don't remember the exact yeah, name. Look it up. But then they came out in 2019, like across the board. Mm -hmm. I think they used to have like even multiple names for their private label. So it wasn't like a consolidated like effort. 
where mm. it was like, oh, everything is under good and gather. Yeah. And archer farms. Archer farms. Yeah. And simply balance. That was also part oh, of Target. Yeah, true, true. And true. market I... pantry. So they combined oh, those yeah. three brands all okay. into good and gather. Market pantry is the one that I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time are like since I've been to a Target. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like two years, right? No, even more than that. Like I think ever, I uh, ever since I left Minnesota, yeah. it, was, uh, it was harder to find a Target. So where do you shop in New York City for groceries? Like more local places, oh, like in the city. Yeah. Interesting. Uh huh. But I think you know, like this push from consumers to you know want to buy cheaper items and uh you know willing to buy things that are not necessarily name brand mm -hmm. has caused definite shifts in yeah. like, what grocery stores are popular because mm -hmm. now aldi is the fastest growing grocer in the u.s for mm -hmm. the past three years interesting because so. of their um they basically have a product supply chain as well right mm -hmm. not just the retail level but at yeah. a product level they have a lot of say and they have a lot of product that are specifically supplied to them yep exactly uh -huh. yeah that's a good point and same as trader joe's yes yes mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. you know the thing too is that like i think i mean not only do i feel richer when i walk into all the trader joe's <laughs> compared to if i go into like jewel osco <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> um not only that oh, but the right. thing is it's actually less overwhelming to shop there because it's the number of options are pared mm -hmm. down right because it's yeah. mostly their own branded items mm -hmm. and i would say like i don't know about other people i feel like i can get 90 percent of what i want from these grocery stores yeah which is more than enough right like yeah. yes you can get like 98 percent of what you want from maybe a jewel osco but then you're paying <laughs> almost like double sometimes yeah 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 that's <laughs> true bill, so. and and what i was also wondering or um i kind of observed this was the uh difference or in in terms of uh consumer attitudes uh mm -hmm. towards the uh, open market or the farmer's market Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, because um, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, you kind of have both. Um, that the you have the uh, bio well biological the uh, organic type mm -hmm. of uh, uh, farmers uh, market. That's they label of, it biologic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just uh, just bio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so 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 like those type of markets are, are what basically people are just calling them as the bio markets. Um, yeah. I think those are more similar to the U.S. supermarkets, where you kind of have um, the uh, small farmers, local farmers, um, selling, uh, you know, uh, uh, better practiced or better farmed uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, grocery items. Would you say right. the prices for these farmers' market in the Netherlands is comparable to the grocery stores in the Netherlands? Those bio ones are more expensive for sure. But you also have the common open market on weekends, normally on a Saturday, and those are actually cheaper in uh, than the grocery stores. Than the grocery stores, yes. Or oh. they their varieties and their um uh, just basically um the quality of the food is higher. So then, um, what's the difference between? So you're talking about cheapest to most expensive is 
farmers market and then grocery stores and then the bio markets. But what's yeah, the yeah. difference in, I guess, like the kind of produce or the quality or the co- uh, that you can get at a farmers market versus the bio market? Well, the bio market is just scheduled on a different day, so that's uh, that. If it's a bio market, it's all bio. Uh, so or all like, all like organic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like products. Okay. Yes. Okay. So those are those are typically uh, happen at a smaller scale, um, but the normal the the, the kind of high volume high throughput market yeah. is certainly the uh, weekend open market. Oh, so that's the yeah. most popular one. Yeah, yeah, yes, most yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like independent sellers, like they they are independent sellers, and they're they're also vendors. They're not necessarily farmers themselves. Oh. Uh, but what they do is, uh, in terms of supply chains, they probably can um, just haul their own goods. Yeah. And um, those stands are also quite. I think they're quite historical, like mostly families pass them along or these type of uh, co-ops can own them for a very long time. Mm. So they have good deals with the city who organizes these type of markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can um, easily get, uh, you know, in, in terms of expenses, it's much less compared mm-hmm. to a, a uh, grocery store. So Got they save it. money there and they also uh, sell things um, more seasonal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so storage or um, transportation wise, uh, they can save a lot of money there. Yeah, that's so interesting mm-hmm. because I feel like in the U.S., farmers markets are usually pricier than. Yeah, it's more market. like a artisanal and high end choice yeah. than a regular day to day option. Right, 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 uh-huh. right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and I feel like uh, because of food inflations, people tend to go to more of these markets. And to shop at, at um, uh, a larger volume as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that they could uh, maybe have food uh, through the week. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just also interesting to me because I think like what you mentioned just now about sunflower oil being out of stock for like a short period of time, right, in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and like you know, and this is a kind of different kind of shortages, but toilet paper in the U.S. when COVID yeah. first hit, like uh-huh. these type of experiences, I feel like is a commonality in certain parts of the world that are more economically disadvantaged but Mm -hmm. in a lot of like you know north american european countries it's not common for that to happen in our generation right it's more like grandparents generation or some of our parents Mm -hmm. generation so i think that like people are just you know scared and kind of confused about all of this just because it's like not something that is expected like, yeah, I don't or think it, 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 it just uh, yeah, like like what we have uh, discussed in the past. It's just that the food supply chain is very intransparent to most of the general publics. Yeah, right, because they don't know where food are, is from, so that makes a, a a huge difference when they don't see anything on the shelf, and it's hard yeah. to trace back to the reasons. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But also, it just like, feels like a very essential, perishable thing that uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting how yeah you know, and, and it's just um, um the I I think in general, right? The the mm-hmm. the developing countries, people are closer to food mm-hmm. or or to food productions in general mm-hmm. than the more developed countries. So that's right. where. 
uh, I found that it's also quite interesting that, uh, for example, in China, mm-hmm. um, there are just like normal talks about, oh, we had a good year of, of apples. Yeah. I heard it maybe from uh, someone uh, back in their hometowns, yeah, yeah. some uh, apple farms. Yeah. Right. So, so and uh, they say, oh, this year's uh, watermelon was really a hit. So yeah. uh, you should get some watermelon before <laughs> the season finish or something. Uh, that, like these type of talks are. They're, are really... they're more like smaller farmers, right? So you yeah, are yeah, yeah. Or, to personally know somebody. Who yeah, or, or they just pay attention to these type of things. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think the thing too, I don't know about how it works in Europe and what the farming setup is like, but I think a lot of the farming in the United States happened in like the Midwest region. Except mm-hmm. maybe like you know, yeah, you have like some cattle farms and on the west coast, and produce is a lot of it comes from the west coast. But if you think about where a lot of the population live, a mm-hmm. lot of them live like on the east coast, the west coast, or around the south. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but the food growing region, a lot of it is and the manufacturing in the region is in the Midwest. So like yeah. you're completely right in the sense of like there are literal hundreds of miles between uh-huh. where their food is grown, manufactured, and then where people actually buy and consume these items. So mm-hmm. like because of that distance physically, right, and mentally right, right. there is a distance to where people like don't really know mm-hmm. where the food is coming from. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you just don't know anything uh, else that kind of goes along with it, right? The transportation, the labor and everything. Yeah. Uh, that goes into the final food price that yeah. the consumers pay. But then that puts food uh, system in a more vulnerable place right? oh, yeah. in terms of uh, dealing with any type of crisis or uncertainties moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know we talked a lot about like Europe and the U.S., but you know, I was looking at food inflation around the world. Um, so mm-hmm. World Bank did kind of run their own data to see, hey, how does it look across mm-hmm. the globe? Um, you know, yeah, we're, we're kind of sad that like, you know, citrus and orange juices are up 20%, but Lebanon is like mm-hmm. having the worst of it because they are experiencing 122% in food inflation in real terms wow. compared to last year. So if some family is spending 30% of their income just on food, now See, it's more like 50 something yeah, percent of their income. That, that's, that's just crazy to think of. And I think that connects to um, another point that uh, one of my friends and I discussed just a while ago was the uh, kind of the expense on food, right? Relative to the total income. Uh, this um, this friend of mine, she's from Germany, and she said that her grandparents' generation, about 50% of the uh, income was spent on food right? Right. Or, or food-related um, items. And um, right now we spent so little, uh, but in um, I think in, in Western Europe and in, in the US for sure, that nowadays young people, a lot of us spend a lot of money on rent or on mm-hmm. mortgages, mm-hmm. right? So, so we spend so much on living uh, yeah. to find a place to live mm-hmm. rather than eating. So um, the, the overall structure of the economy has tilt towards real estate rather than food. Right. So it I, could be a good or bad thing, right? In, um, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's kind of a product of food production becoming more efficient and cheaper over uh-huh. time, as well as like, you know, I, I, I think the rent is a big part of it, right? 
um, for a lot of millennials and just generally everyone who's trying to get mm -hmm. a place to live, but also like, at least within the US, student debt, um, medical bills, and mm -hmm. I think like rent versus and, and mortgages, those are like big buckets where people spend. For sure, yeah. Like, in terms of like just being able to live properly. Uh -huh, uh, and then yeah. food, like you said, makes up a much smaller proportion. Part of it being yeah. that it has gotten cheaper and then part of it being that other things have gotten so much more expensive, like rent. And you also have more options in terms of food choices. Yes. Right. Like, well, for sure, in, in houses, you can. There are uh, certainly very expensive housing options. Mm -hmm. But normally, the uh, kind of the standard deviation of, of, uh, of house prices versus the uh, food prices are, are very are just at, at different scales. Right. Mm. Like you can live a very, you can eat very cheap, mm -hmm. uh, but you cannot live as cheap mm. per se. I, I kind of see what you mean. Yeah. 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 And that um, is something it just, just overall interesting to think of that. And also I think overall the society tilted more towards helping people get fed than you know, okay. put them under then, the shelter. Then housing people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a, that's something you see a lot of food banks, right? But yeah. you don't see like a lot of like equal amount of shelters, or you don't see a lot of people that uh, urgently need shelters as much as food banks. I think that people need shelter urgently. It's not just just not as provided as easily. Right, right, right. It's not provided as yeah. much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so that's just kind of you know yeah i i think that's part of the thing too like when we talk about um, inflation and hunger and things like that right mm -hmm. there was a period of time in the world that where there were like um like being malnourished and underfed is a health problem mm -hmm. being um overweight is also a health problem right yeah. and the scales actually just tilt recently where they're yeah. actually a lot more obese, obese. and overweight yeah. people than people who are malnourished and don't have enough to eat. Exactly. So like yeah. kind of what you said, I, I do think that there's enough food to go around mm -hmm. in terms of like production. I think a lot of it too is like sometimes the supply chain doesn't line up. So yeah. people who need it the most don't get it at the right time. Um, but yeah. you know, compared to 20, 30 years ago, um, in terms of feeding people, I think globally, we're much better at doing it. Yeah. So it's just a different way of thinking is that, um, now we do observe that, uh, food prices inflated, but also it might be a good chance to, uh, reflect ourselves that, uh, should cheap, uh, should food be this cheap? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or how much should we care about eating in mm -hmm. general? Yeah, and also so, like it's also about what is cheap versus what is expensive because if you buy like an organic i don't know lamb shank from whole foods that's going to be a lot mm -hmm. pricier than like ground beef from i mean you know ground chicken yeah from, yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. It, exactly right? yeah so part of it is consumer choice but also like economically there is also some indicators that we can yeah. look at the thing too is what like we talked about inflation across the board but i think also like the price of one thing like let's say i'm a consumer and i'm on the aisle of a grocery store right like if mm -hmm. cabbage is like napa cabbage is four dollars for one hit versus like i could get a hamburger helper for like a dollar yeah. fifty uh -huh. like 
the pricing differences of different kind of product is going to inform my decision on what to eat as a consumer. True. Too, true. So. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, exactly. So, and I feel like, and also today we didn't really touch too much on the uh, restaurant food or restaurant mm-hmm. price type of part, right? And, and I think part of uh, food inflation would also result in people cooking more, right? yes. eating out less and, uh, or ordering uh, takeout less uh, per se. So these type of uh, changes really, um, you, you know, it can be an opportunity to promote healthy eating, right? Because if you're shopping on your own, you have more uh, flexibilities in terms of um, choosing the ingredient and the way mm-hmm. of cooking mm-hmm. um, and, and also control your own calories, right? Because uh, you can also determine the portion size. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and I think, uh, it, well, it sucks that we have to pay more for food, but also mm-hmm. there might be some opportunities in terms of general, uh, you know, public health or uh, things that we can improve uh, using, um, you know, having more control of our food or pay more attention to the food that we eat. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, those are all things that a lot of people are, you know, making decisions about, right? Like, do I go out? Do I mm-hmm. do prep? Um, yeah. yeah. Personally, from my, my little wish is it would be great if produce is cheaper because mm-hmm. I think that, I don't know, I, I feel that sometimes what is healthiest for people oftentimes is also not the cheapest option. Mm-hmm. And some people have the luxury of being able to like, you know, make a decision. But some people like, you know, they have to make a decision not between like, oh, do I eat food A versus food B? It's like, oh, if I mm-hmm. eat food A, I won't be able to pay my electricity bill. So I'm going to eat food B instead. So you know, just, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I wish it's just more, hopefully they're more stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, um, that's a wish of mine that, um, also, uh, if we can, we take the opportunity to kind of restructure some of our, um, food choices or supply chain, uh, so that, um, you know, perhaps we build some consumer awareness during this time, Mm-hmm. So that uh, maybe we could all make healthier uh, food choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is also Thanksgiving, so I think it's yeah. very like. I mean, it was not intentional that we were going to record this episode around Thanksgiving, uh-huh. <laughs> but I think that, like you know, like if you think back into the spirit of Thanksgiving, right? I think the original idea is like giving things to, mm-hmm. like, was it giving things to the land? And to like the people who grow food and like what what is the like giving things to the blessing of harvest right that's sort of the original yeah 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 idea. It was, well it's one of the uh origin tales yeah uh-huh or significance yeah. yeah so you know i personally feel very grateful to be living in a country that has a pretty robust like food system i know people like yeah. to complain when like you know we run out of one thing or the other but like yeah compared to like two thousand <laughs> years ago where we were hunting and like you know, we could literally die from starvation yeah. i think like at least in the u.s things are really good i think in lots of parts of the world mm-hmm. you know like it's it's it could be better but it, it's it's good that you know we've come a long way and there's some other places in the world where we can make 
more improvements, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, on that note, uh, you know, we wish uh, you, you've uh, here you've heard of our thought dumps on, on food inflations <laughs> and how how that's related to the food industry and consumer choices overall. Yes. And um, yeah, I think uh, that's a wrap. Yep. Okay. So uh, thanks for listening, and, and uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can always email us at uh, fihpodcast at gmail .com. And uh, give us a five star if you enjoy listening to our op episodes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Till next time. Bye bye.